podcast where every episode I'm joined by guests and we talk about a single issue of the comic Alpha Flight or in cases like this comics which have people from Alpha Flight in them. Um, if you've read the title of the episode you'll know what we're going to talk about so we'll get on to that in a second. Um, this is the first episode I've recorded for a few months so I took a break after November and we're in January now. We have Justin Maharab. Could you introduce yourself to the listeners? Uh, hey, uh, yes, my name is Justin Maharab. I am a longtime Alpha Flight fan. Uh, I've been uh, ever since the 80s when I read them in the single issues up until Byrne jumped over to the Hulk. Then I read his Hulk run, which was uh, not as passionate, but uh, it was interesting. It was in its own way. And... Uh, Yes, I also uh, moderate the Alpha Flight fan group on Facebook, which is uh, a great place for uh, people to come and talk about a book that hasn't been published for a long time. Like I can't remember when the uh, the Pac Van Lente series was out. That was two thousand. I want to say two thousand three. Maybe it wasn't that long ago. Two thousand thirteen. It's got a 2,000 and a 3 in it, I think. <laughs> it's got a 2 at the start. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, for all, um, Alpha Flight have been appearing in other comics, so um, notably... They're, they're a great part of the current uh, Captain Marvel run, or yeah. they were um, of the previous Captain Marvel run. I can never keep track. Yeah, um, so I'm aware of that. And also, um, poor Sasquatch in Immortal Hulk, which I read recently. Someone mentioned that, but I haven't seen it. I have read it. Oh, um, you should. It's really good. Okay. Um, it's a really good take on the character. You know how sometimes they put Alpha Flight characters in comics and they don't get the character right? And they, yes. They, uh, Al Ewing absolutely nails uh, Langowski and also adds a bit in as well. It's it's really good. As an Alpha Flight fan, it's really good. And as a comics fan, it's a good comic as well. So. Cool. Yeah. I will definitely have to try that down. I recommend that. Um, but yes, so that's Immortal Hulk. Um, hopefully someone will come on and talk about that because, uh, yeah. Be nice and Champions, about. also a very uh, enjoyable book that's had a bunch of Alpha Flight appearances recently. Yeah, uh, uh, we reviewed one of those on the podcast. Uh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, was, it was a bit brief for me. Not a lot happened. Uh, okay. Uh, and um, at the moment, my son is, is my... Uh, guide on whether a comic's good or not and he read both of both issues which had Alpha Flight in, or at least the two that I had he read them about half an hour and was like yeah that's alright I'm not that fussed about reading anymore so I was like oh god that must have been bad um, but it was, See, I was going to suggest you could get Zim, Jim Zub on the show but uh, man you know his feelings are, are sensitive are they? <laughs> Okay, no, well, what I'll do he's is... actually he's actually a stout stout fellow. He's he gets like the worst people coming at him, and he's like, "I understand you're trying to say something. Let me explain why you're terrible and wrong." <laughs> um, I have seen some, yeah. Um, I haven't read many of his comics, uh, and maybe I'll give Champions another go. Uh, but um, yeah, I mean, there's only so many comics you can read. I've got a stack of Marvel two and one still to read. Uh, oh God, yeah. So... <laughs> Um, but yes, we're not here to talk about uh, random other comics. We're here to talk no. about Crystar, Crystal Warrior, <laughs> issue number eleven. Um, the final fate of Crystar, Crystal Warrior. Of Crystal, Crystal Warrior. Um, so this comic came out in 1985. Uh, the it's called Resolution. 
Yes. Joe Duffy was on the script and plot. Ricardo Villamonte, who I don't know a lot about, uh, is the artist. So penciling uh, and inking. Yeah, Janice Chang is a letterer. Andy Yankus, famed colorist and dream terrorist for me. <laughs> is, um, on the colours um, Ralph Macchio is the editor and Jim Shooter was the editor-in-chief so, yes, during the Shooter era yeah so uh, which uh, becomes very obvious from the first page where every single character introduces <laughs> each other <laughs> um, um, but yeah so if uh, it's a double sized yes. last issue um, I suppose before we talk about the comic itself we'll talk about Chris Star a little bit sure so for people who aren't familiar with Chris Star it was a which Marvel... is just people in general I think yeah I think so yeah <laughs> I think from what I have been able to because you made me aware of this comic I wasn't aware of it until you suggested it <laughs> um and then uh so I've, I've got three issues of it now the first one the last one and one halfway through they all came as a as a bundle um yeah, so it was a tie-in for a toy line. Um, as far as I can tell, they wanted it to be sort of the next T-Man, but yeah. it was it just it wasn't as successful. Um, and you could compare it to Rom, I guess, in that it was a Marvel tie-in, but it's not as successful as a comic as Rom because Rom just sort of just carried on regardless of the toy line. Whereas... Yeah, way more people read rom comics than ever owned a rom action figure <laughs> or doll. But... Well, I mean, the, the doll looked a bit rubbish. <laughs> so... it, it was not great, yeah. but I, I like the idea of some kid searching for the dire race among his sister's Barbie dolls. That would have been uh, very exciting. Um, but yeah. from what I understand, Kristar is sort of the inverse of rom and Micronauts and G.I. Joe because... Marvel created Kristar and said, hey, we've got this IP. You want to turn it into toys? And did someone, okay. someone tried and uh, didn't turn out so well. So Marvel was like, yeah. Uh, no, I remember now. because where do, I can't remember where I read this. Um, but the uh, one of the artists on the comic uh, also got paid for designing the toys. Okay. Uh, so it was, it was very like synergetic between the the toy makers and Marvel about what happened. It's just that what they came up with is a bit boring. <laughs> it's it's standard pulp fantasy stuff, really. When you look at it, it's just like you know, we are the servants of order, and you are the servants of chaos. And... Yeah, but also, so yeah, so we'll start talking about this actual comic because so the the, the premise of Crystal is that there was two brothers who were who were set to rule the land of Crystallium. Uh, yeah, Crystallium. They were set to rule Crystallium. One was called Crystar and one was called Moltar. <laughs> and then Crystar was just the better brother. He was slightly better looking. All the ladies loved him. Yeah. Um, and he was going to be king. And then Moltar was a bit jealous. And then an evil sorcerer from another dimension came and said, I will help you become king and I will turn you into a molten man. And then the good wizard, uh, whose name is... Ogeod? Ogeod, yeah. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> um, he uh, turned Kristar and his followers into crystal men. And then they, they fight a guerrilla war against each other. 
to to rule over Crystallium. And that's the, that's the general premise. And um, we come in at issue eleven. And yeah, so, so almost a year of exciting adventures has happened by this point. Almost a full and year, and things are about to get into high gear. Yeah, and... a very high gear in this comic. <laughs> yeah. you can you can sort of see the halfway point where they're like, oh god, let's just finish it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Joe, we'd like to thank you for all your hard work. You're cancelled, <laughs> but you can use Alpha Flight. Yeah. Um, you... Because uh, other guest stars of the series, as we were talking about before we started recording, are Nightcrawler, who was the sole star of a cover of Crystal, without yes. a single other character from Crystal. And I believe you said Doctor Strange uh, turned up for a bit as well. So, which which makes sense, as they are both characters who uh, travel through strange points in time and space, and Doctor Strange is the you know universal stuff. I got nothing really. It's just no. I'm surprised because usually they just chuck Spider Man something like this. So yeah, you know, he'd, he'd find a portal behind a bin or something and <laughs> and end up here. But uh, no, they didn't. Obviously, Spider Man was being uh, he does. I think he turns up selling fishing rods in one of the adverts in this comic. Um, yes, he does. A uh, Garcia. There we go. Join the oh, Garcia yes. fishing team. Uh, free <laughs> um, no no the, the membership is free if you buy uh, yes a uh, fishing rod yes anyway so let's talk about the comic itself so could you give uh, a synopsis of what happens in this comic sure uh, <laughs> the good guys and the bad guys <laughs> talk a lot <laughs> Yeah, uh, it's you, you can t- you know they 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 oh my god they talk so much look at this panels that are half full of word balloons. Oh no, it's brilliant though. I really like it. <laughs> and um, yeah, and then at some point you know at fifteen pages in, uh, oh hey look it's Puck Shaman and Northstar. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, so briefly then, up until they turn up on page 15. Is it page... Uh, 15, yeah. Yes. So, uh, page 15. So what's happened up until then is that Chris Starr and his troops are rallying to go and storm the palace and say that we're going to take over. Um, they've all introduced each other. I'm not going to uh, bother. This. <laughs> they introduce each other so much. <laughs> really a lot. And... Um, but and there's so many of them. Um, I used to be re- I used to be fairly cool with the whole you know shooter era. Make sure every 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 person every issue is somebody's first issue. Yeah. So make sure you explain who the characters are. Till I hit this soap opera level stuff, and I'm like, oh god, it's actually murderous. <laughs> oh no, I, I mean I quite like it. Um, and also, I think I don't know if when. So uh, Joe Duffy, who I don't know very much about, has done the script and the plot. Uh, and it's obviously been done Marvel style. So Ricardo Villamonte has done an amazing job on the art. I think. The art is very good. I it mean, it's I... a lovely looking book. Um, I wonder if he ever worked on anything like Conan or anything, because he's be got an eye for the yeah. fantasy stuff. Yeah, so there's not. A, I couldn't find much about him on the internet very easily. I'm sure if I just spent a bit longer on it, I could. Um, but he does a really good job, and you're right. He would be really well suited to doing sword and uh, sword and sorcery. No, sand, yeah, sword and sorcery, fantasy stuff. He's he's just really obviously good at it. 
Um, it's got a good eye for architecture and backgrounds and putting extra little details in. Um, but there's some of the dialogue is a bit cheeky, like in, in a funny way. Like so, oh, Geo, there's this running joke that he's, although he's presented as a wise and old wizard, um, his wife keeps saying, he's not old, he's not old. Stop calling him old, that's really insulting. And yeah. then right at the end, it's like, oh, he's just worn out because <laughs> because you're insatiable and you've made him. <laughs> um, Old people sex jokes. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so, but they, so this band of, this quite large band of guerrilla mercenaries uh, go into the castle where one of the previous main characters is ruling. They convince him that he shouldn't be ruling anymore. And then we get a little aside where Moltar, it turns out, so Moltar, the, who is the, the leader of the Molten Men. The um, evil brother. The evil brother. He has been joined by, so Zardeth was the intergalactic evil wizard and yes. they've also been joined by a race of sort of like um death loving barbarian gem- green men yeah barbarian mineral people yeah what is Malki- malachon is malachon. malachon and i guess they're the malachites but malachon uh, they've, they've got a prisoner who is uh, one of the crystal men and Malachon says, I'm really looking forward to killing you really slowly. I'm going to really yeah. enjoy it. And Moltar um, has second thoughts. Then we get another, we flip back to uh, the band and Beck, who is a strong, is, is like one of the better warriors of the Crystal Men. But he is arrogant and thinks that the best way is to go and kill a bunch of people and they're like no we're the goodies we don't do a bunch of killing they have a bit of an argument and I'm literally flicking through pages now because the argument doesn't yeah. go on a bit um, and then we go back to the mag uh, the, the hideout of the baddies and the prisoner whose name I can't read anywhere but he's playing a flute that's apparently one of his things He's, he's a bit of a hippie, this guy. He's got a moustache and a flute. And, and and that scene where you see the musical notes floating through the cavern? Yeah. Gorgeous. It is really nice, yeah. Um, uh, it's a full page as well, a full wordless page of just these musical notes um, coming in and out of the, 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 the caves in this cavern. Uh, Moltar comes to him and says, I am not keen on you dying. Can you just sell out all of your friends, and then I don't have to watch you get killed. Because um, it's always all about Moltar. It's all about Moltar, and he gets called out. So, um, Koth. Koth is, is the prisoner. Koth calls him out, and it says, so you're saying that I need to sell all my friends and then die quickly so that you can sleep well at night. Absolutely not. Get out. And he slams the door and goes back to playing his flute. Yes. And then... They have a conversation. We go back to the Crystal Warriors. They have a conversation. Why don't we turn everyone into a Crystal Warrior? We definitely win then. And then Ogeode says, uh, "We are agents of order, which means that um, it's I. It's my job to sort of keep it level. So if we use a certain amount of magic, they are able to use the same amount of magic. So if I turn you all into Crystal people, they'll just all turn into Magma people." So I won't do that, but I do have this special crystal. And he goes into his pocket to find the special crystal. 
mm-hmm. and he says uh, he really digs into his robes for it, and then he says, "How odd! I had no idea this pocket was so deep." <laughs> and then we flip to Sharman North Star and Puck out in the wilds of Canada, fighting an agent of chaos. Um, yes, they uh, Sharman. Gets... I would go so far as to say a chaos monster. Yeah, it's not just a guy who's like you know making you know abusing policy and procedure. Here's a <laughs> it's like thirty feet tall and. Yeah, he's just really glad, and he's, I mean, uh, he's, it's difficult to say what he is, so he's got green arms, legs, and face, and he's got sort of a tree trunky body and hat, Yeah. Uh, and he's just sort of standing over them menacingly, uh, Puck says, this is a, a, a chaos creature, and they're like, what are you talking yeah. about? He goes, oh, what, do you not know about chaos creatures? I've seen them all the time. Um then, it was so much better when he did vague references, cool stuff he did, oh, and then really they, was, before yeah. they started saying, "Oh yes, actually, no, don't." Yeah, no, I don't mean, kill the mystery. Th- yeah, so this is at the height. I, I guess nine eighty five was when people were really invested in finding out more about Puck, and uh, the writers only giving a tiny amount each time, and none of it actually helpful. So finding out yes. that Puck knows what a chaos monster is doesn't help. It just says that he's been around a bit more than anybody else uh which is good and um one i'd like yeah i, I should like have gone through the, i should have gone through gone through this issue and just counted how many a's he uses <laughs> he does use a few yeah but um I, I think what's quite good here is at least they're true to alpha flight so this would have been when alpha flight were their most popular yeah. um and it's one of the most accurate guest starring portrayals they get uh, I suppose this and the, the Marvel, the Spider-Man team up, they do a pretty good job there as well. Um, but they, they're quite accurate here. Um, they don't make any allusions to North Star being gay, which is no. unusual. They usually drop something in, but they haven't here. Um, well, that's usually what, what something Aurora will say, something snide. Yeah. Um, or they'll make some sort of little thing about him not being a full man or something like that. Uh, being a bit, I don't know. Uh, but they don't do that here. But they do, uh, Shaman, uh, <laughs> uh, it's a little bit later on. So uh, so during the fight, uh, Northstar has this great idea. He says, I need some sort of powder. Shaman pulls some cornmeal in a bag out <laughs> of his bag. Uh, North Star chucks it in the baddie's face. That's his. That's his entire plan to throw flour yes. in the baddie's face. He's blinded now, and I've been hit by a tree. <laughs> um, and then, so North Star falls out. This guy Puck takes the opportunity to do some excellent acrobatics and stamp on the monster's foot. Mm-hmm. Then the monster falls over. Shaman does some magic, and it turns out it was a a man all along, a human being. Yes. Uh, and Shaman... And invokes, not even a cannibal or anything, just a guy. Just, you a, know? just a bald, naked man. Yeah. Um, I'm sure they'll take good care of him and get him back to civilization. Uh, well, it's never mentioned <laughs> what they do with him, is it? <coughs> well, plus what happens immediately afterwards. He's yeah. going to just be a little stymied. <laughs> uh, but they do do... So, uh, in terms of Shaman, and what I find as doing a Shaman, where he just gets something entirely wrong. So there's two, there's two parts of Shaman. One is he's constantly reminding people that he's an actual doctor, which he does here. <laughs> he says, your head's bleeding, uh, let me get you some bandages, I'm an actual doctor. Um, yes, I am a doctor. And then when he goes for 
I mean, this is this is an actual excellent comics here. So he goes to get bandages out of his uh, pouch. We've already seen him pull cornmeal out, so he goes to get some bandages out. But instead, he pulls out the crystal that Ogeode was looking for, <coughs> followed by Ogeode's hand, and then you've got this brilliant panel of just a hand coming out of the, the pouch and Shaman like wrestling it for the crystal. And yeah, is I really really enjoyed that. Uh, and then, sorry, I'm doing all the talking here. It's supposed to be you, no. synopsis. Uh, okay. Um, so, but uh, yeah, so they end up arm wrestling for the crystal. Yeah. That he wasn't even expecting. And I do like that, you know, Ogeo's claw just comes shooting out of there, grasping for the crystal. Yeah. And then, as he's fight, as he's having an arm wrestle in his pocket for this crystal, his his daughter is like, "I can't believe you didn't clean out your pockets." I keep telling you to clean out your pockets, and um, he tries to pretend that he's not having an arm wrestle in his pocket. It's a bit dodgy. Um, um, we'll come on to my theory of how this comic was created later. But then, so he he pulls his hand out, and with it, he pulls out Shaman, Puck, and All Star. And very quickly, they become acclimatized to the fact they're in an entirely alien dimension. Uh, well, you're a superhero. That's, you know, it's like, well... Uh... Yeah. Puck says, I've been here before. Have you not? Did you not know about this world? Uh, everyone else says, <laughs> no. Um, then uh, Crystal walks up and says, oh, you've been here before. You can come and fight on our side then. <laughs> and they say, yes, we will. We definitely will. Well, you know, you safely assume, you know, there's there's two ways you can make an introduction to a superhero thing. You meet someone and you fight, and even then, it's only a 50-50 chance they're a bad guy. Yeah. Or you meet someone and they talk to you, in which case, you're certain they're a good guy. Yeah. yeah. You either have a fight until neither of you can fight enough anymore, and then you start <laughs> to talk about whether or not you're on the same side. Or you just do, like, this, I mean, this is a equivalent of um, kids meeting in the park, isn't it? Like, do you want to be my friend? Yeah. Yeah, you're my best friend. Let's, let's, just, <laughs> um, let's just go and do that. So, um, Ojo does a little description to say, look, I said that I wasn't going to do any magic to sway things in our favour, and I haven't really, so it all balances out, even though we've got more people now, because the magic is it's not cheating. So... Um, and, and just as they agree to do that, the uh, molten men run up and start having a fight. Um, quickly, North Star and Puck realise that they're useless against men made of lava because they're too hot to yes. punch. It's literally just an extended game of the floor is lava. <laughs> yeah, your and face is bouncing lava. away. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Shaman is like, "Well, if they can't touch them, I will freeze them." Yeah. And then it, it's a bit. I mean, this is a bit full on actually, because he freezes them, and then they die. They die. So they say, "What are you? Wait, don't." And then one of them <laughs> down here says, "Please, oh please, oh please," in like tiny letters, in like that really yeah. cool way they sometimes do when someone's Which is the saddest thing ever. Yeah. And then Shaman's like, "Oh no, I've truly killed them." Oh well. <laughs> um, yeah. So he doesn't he doesn't stop to linger about it very much. And afterwards he's like, Well, I guess I can't stop helping Chris Star now. And <laughs> for a penny and for a pound. Uh, which is another um, being a shaman thing. So he knows best. He knows the best yeah. way to do it. It turns out to be a really horrible way of doing it, but never mind. I'm I'm the wisest man around here. So 
And then uh, at the bottom of the page, the P seems to have vanished from Puck's chest. Yeah. Um, but that's fine. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, has he had the P on there before? Yeah, he has the rest of this issue. I suppose this is an just easy a little, thing to just make. a little continuity thing. Yeah, a little art thing that the letterer might have just said. I'm tired. <laughs> um, uh, so yeah, as then once we've had that, we flip back to the again absolutely gorgeous artwork of the the top of the crater where the molten men live, yeah. and there's an altar being set out where uh, they're going to murder. That chap with the the flute, whose name I can't remember. Kecker, I can't recall. Uh, the flute dude, just just the, come. yeah. Oh, I have to flip back now to find the bit where he, he got his name mentioned. It's surprisingly long way. Um, cough. 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 Uh, so, and I should have when I flip back, I should have stopped at also the place where the baddie's name is. Uh, Moltar or the evil? The other one, the one with the big Malachite, Malachor, Ma- Malik- Malachon, Malachon. So Malachon is testing out his favorite mace to prove to say yeah. this mace is good enough for smashing people. I'm I gonna mess that, him up. Malachon, the design on him is incredible. Because in close up to his face, you don't realize that. His, his, so his costume is he's he's green. He's a green barbarian yeah. guy. Um, he's just wearing a loin cloth and some furry boots, but then he's got this insanely big hat. So the headdress is amazing. Yeah. So I can imagine someone cosplaying that at a convention and just like bumping into every door they go through. <laughs> um, you'd not be able because it's the, the his hat <clears throat> is as tall as his body. So from his his pelvis to the top of his head is as tall as this hat again. And it sort of looks yeah. like a sword at the front, and then it's got this big red fur coming around. It's it's a proper, proper hat. Um, if you're going to be a barbarian, chief, barbarian chieftain, that's what you need. Yeah, a big hat. You think it's stoned down, but uh, it doesn't because his upper body strength is all like <laughs> fuck it. It's all in his neck. <laughs> his neck is just <laughs> look how thick, and it's made of crystal. So. Um, so yes, and then Koth comes out. Uh, Moltar looks at his scheming lava girlfriend yeah. and says that he thinks he's going to be sick because he doesn't want to watch. Previous... Now, if he were to become physically ill, would he expel lava from his body? Does he? he... Would, yeah. Does um, he eat rocks? It's never really clear how they survive. Um, I guess he would eat rocks. Um, have you? Um, are you aware of the game Skylanders? Yes, I have nephews. Yeah, so uh, my son has one called Lava Bath, who is like a little <laughs> lava character who just baths lava the whole time. And I imagine that's what he looks like. Or maybe, because he's got these funny uh, crater things in his head, doesn't he? Yeah, those so little spikes. When, maybe when he vomits, he just like shoots out of those, like all at once. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Like if he God, Moldar, no! And like magma <laughs> spewing everywhere. This is really horrible, and I apologise to anybody if it flashes back to being a teenager. But you know when you cover your mouth when you're sick and it all comes out of your nose? <laughs> <laughs> He's got like seven more orifices for it to come <laughs> flying. Out. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> while he is talking about being sick, Northstar uh, does some flying. Um, he shoots all about and, and has a look at what's going on. Then he comes back. Everyone's 
uh, Riding on Dragons. Uh, yeah, because dragons. it's a fantasy book. Yeah. And they... Uh, yeah, Northstar doesn't get spotted because he's so fast. And then... Oh, the the Crystal Warriors thought that Koth was dead. So yeah. they're surprised to find out he's about to be killed. Crystal says that's impossible. And then Northstar gets really huffy and offended. Yeah. <laughs> Which means, once again, completely accurate portrayal of the character. <laughs> yeah. um, and so they all fly down. And then there's a big fight. So the rest... So we've just crossed the halfway mark of the comic as we're talking here. And then it speeds up a lot because it's nearly all fights and there's a lot less chat. Uh, yes. The second half of the comic is much more enjoyable than the first, I would say. It's certainly yes. an easier read and you don't have to worry too much about who's trying to ro- romance who and all that stuff. The, because it's the all... first half of the book reads like everything I hate about Bendis. <laughs> It's like, oh, they decompressed this so much. There's so much talking going on. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we have a big fight. So just before Koth gets smashed, Warbo, who is one of the coolest characters in this, actually, he doesn't get to talk very much. Um, from from the other two issues I've read, Warbo is like a very... He's the most feared of the Crystal Warriors because okay. he's the mightiest. Uh, and he doesn't say anything. And he's also in love with... Uh, the Ogeo's daughter, who's who's like she's got big hair, um, and yeah, so he sh- he shoots an arrow which destroys Malakon's favorite mace. Yes. Um, then they all start having a fight, and then um, Beck runs up and says, "Malakon, I am going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Gonna mess you up." To which Malakon replies with a very casual swack of a mace which does for Beck after all his talking. So did he have a spare mace or was that just... Yeah, he did. So he was reaching for a spare mace when... Oh, right, because it's much less spiky. Yeah. Uh, It's not his favourite one. It's his backup one. Yeah. Um, But it's a very casual swack. He doesn't look like he's putting a lot into it. But that... Yeah, I feel I feel sorry for Beck because he's not like I am a I am a member of the Council of Order. I'm going to kick some crunch. Yeah, that's it, uh, and that's him. Uh, he had considering he goes how, out like... how much dialogue he had in the in the first half of this, he goes out in one panel. Uh, he goes out like Steven Seagal in Executive Decision. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then um, Maltar says, "I've." seen enough, I'm not on the baddie side anymore, I'm on the goodie side. Um, Chris, and then they have a bit more chatting. Oh, OGO is like, um, he gets convinced by his, his wife, who's a cool barbarian warrior woman, to do some yes. magic on Kristar's sword. And then Kristar... Oh, yeah, so then, again, this next <clears throat> fight between Kristar and Malakon, they face off... Um, Malakon swings widely. Kristar responds by stabbing him in the heart with his magic sword. And uh, the, the Malakons, re- re- they they react as you would expect them to do in a very reasonable. Well, our leader has been defeated in battle, so yeah. let us surrender. As oh wait, no, they go nuts. <laughs> uh, they go a full on berserker style. But they're mixed in with 
the molten men who shout our prince, Prince Kistar. So that the baddies have now split. Um, but um, and then they say, right, let's have a big fight. And then everyone has a big, big fight. An um, intensely abbreviated big fight. Yeah, I'll say it's like two pages. No, no, no wide, full two-page spread of mass no, melee combat. One after another, we see uh, the, the Crystal Warriors just murdering the Malachites. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's it's all right. It's pretty straightforward. Um, then, uh, yeah, North Star flies. North Star flies Puck around. Tumbles. Puck tumbles. Uh, he can fight the Malachites because they're not on fire. Yes. Um, so he beats three of them up at once, and then although Shark... considering considering like their their bodies are so hard that Kristar's sword had to be enchanted to defeat him, wouldn't wouldn't Puck like be breaking a lot of his kicking and punching bones? Yeah, he's tough. He's yeah. Doing <laughs> um, yes, um, <laughs> I think you're probably right, and I'm not sure that. Um... North Star, his thing is he's flying so fast that nobody can hit him. Yeah. So that's literally all he's doing. Uh, well, that's that's his thing, right? Yeah, I guess so. He can't really defeat them in a big ski off. And... <laughs> no, I don't suppose he can come second in the skiing competition. Um, uh, and then um, Shaman says, "Right, I don't want to kill anybody again. So these molten men, instead of." <laughs> Instead of freezing them, I will melt the ground underneath them, and then when they sink into it, I'll trap them, and then they'll still be alive, but they'll be sort of stuck in the rock. And that's, yes, that's better. Classic, you know, yeah. just to mobilize, take them out of the fight. Yeah, uh, and then then we go to Beck, who's got a big uh, smash in his chest. Yeah, and he's dying. It's a, it's a seeping smash too. That's yeah. Um, oh yeah, there's all that like. Uh, some white fluid coming out of it. Um, crystal blood. So Ica, who he has been... Uh, she's been his girlfriend the whole time, even though she secretly loves Warbo. He says, um, I'm going to die. Then he dies. And then Warbo just hugs her. And then I guess Ica and Warbo are together at the end of this comic. Uh, which is nice for Warbo. Not as nice for Ica. I'm sure she's going to mourn her terrible boyfriend for a little while. <laughs> a couple of days at least. <laughs> um, the Everyone from the the castle at the start of the comic, which we'd all forgotten about by now, to be honest, they, <laughs> they, they run up into the comic and um, Maltar and Larvor <clears throat> say, we're not on your side anymore. Kristar stabs uh, this guy... What's his name? Chaos, dude. But, uh, yeah. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, whatever his name is. Um, yeah. He's, One he's, he's, evil a, he's the main guy. baddie, but he's not in it very much in here. But he gets stabbed through the heart as well. And then as he's dying, he casts one last curse, which turns Maltar back into a human again, but not Larvor. <laughs> oh! So, oh, gutting. So, um... She says, he says, I'm afraid, I can't touch you anymore without risking my life. She says, but I love you. He says, I love you too, but keep your distance. <laughs> <laughs> See, they, Zardeth. Zardeth, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, and uh, 
Yes, which is just cruel, and they, they don't even get the uh, the alternate options that uh, that guy in that Doctor Who episode whose girlfriend was turned into a concrete block had. I haven't watched that, so you can either describe it or <laughs> it's up to you. Uh, they they're a little vague about it, okay. but uh, it's it uh, it all comes down to the fact that they they both still have faces. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, right. Um, but yeah, so uh, Maltar says, I love you too, but keep your distance, which is kind <laughs> of a classic man move, really. Like, yeah, I love yes. you, but I'm going to go and touch my face. I need my space, Lavor. Yeah. I need to. <laughs> um, so. Maltar needs Maltar time. Yeah. Uh, Kristar apologizes. Uh, he says, don't worry about it. Uh, the short um, wizard thing, who's he's half crystal, half lava. Feldspar. Feldspar. He runs up. I have brought, I have brought up the Wikipedia page. So. <laughs> that will make life easier. He runs up and apologizes. Puck gives him a big slap on the back. Um, yeah. And then everybody talks Little. about stuff. I don't know. And then... Uh, it ends with a final splash page of all the main characters stood in a line with all hell Crystal, king of Crystallium, written in big mm-hmm. letters at the top. And that's it. That's, that's yeah. it for Crystal. It's a happy ending. Yay! Yeah. Uh, I mean, quite a sudden happy ending, but... Uh, and, and once again, Puck's P vanished. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. We've so got War- Warbo and Giant Hair Girl in the back, in shadow talking. In shadow, because they probably forgot to put them in the first place, and then had to go back and put them in afterwards. Um, See, your understanding of comic storytelling is much stronger than my own. I, I assumed it would just be like, see, they're in there in shadow to indicate that they are getting to know one another better, and you're like, ah, they fucked up. They just didn't get it right. I think. Sorry. I think that... So, my theory with this comic is that it wasn't going to be the last one. And then halfway through making it, they decided it was going to be the last one. And that... Or, they knew it was going to be the last one, but halfway through the making it, they decided they were going to insert Alpha Flight into it. Because if you look at the instances of Alpha Flight actually taking part in the story, page by page, there's very few instances of it. So, and they have very little to do with the other, with the main characters. Yeah, very little. So they have their own little fight in Canada, which mm-hmm. is them without any but any characters from Crystal in it. So that's a four, five, four-page insert there. Yeah. And then you get some pages where they're mixed in and they're talking to each other. Um, and then during the big fight at the end. Um, it's all very separate. So uh, Alpha Flight... Gets like, literally, there. there's one page. There's one Nothing page to do with the rest of the main the rest fight. of it's Crystal. Um, they don't actually team up. They all do their own thing. Um, so, yeah. So I think that last splash page... Uh, you can see Shaman and North Star in the background. I think they get yeah. drawn in late. And I think Puck was probably copied in late as well. I think he was easier just to shove in at the front of the composition, like literally draw him over whatever was there already. Yeah. Um, OG being a dick to some little dragon thing. 
Yep. Uh, and a very actiony pose as well, considering they're all supposed to be. I think they probably took that right off his action figure box. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, so that's the comic. Um, that is Crystar Eleven. Crystar Eleven. So let's talk about what we <clears throat> like about the comic a little bit. What do you like? Uh, our art's art's gorgeous. The art is lovely. Yeah. It's, and uh, it tricked me into thinking it was a better comic than it is. <laughs> that is, you are. That is pretty much the the perfect review for this. The <laughs> art is so nice. It made me forget. Uh, between between like the Marvel House style of every character introducing themselves and giving a quick summary and yeah, <clears throat> the fact that yeah, I, I you know I I didn't notice how rough the introduction of Alpha Flight into the storyline was, but uh, I mean, yeah, it's like they stapled it. It's like, you know, they yeah, I couldn't see it happening like after the book was finished. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's what they've done. So I mean, it's quite nice stylistically in that um, the, the page immediately preceding their four page adventure has one panel with them in which is easy enough just to sort of stick in there. Because yeah. I can imagine this might have just been a gag series of pages about him losing something in his pocket. Um, and th- But they just like replaced one panel at the start and then one panel at the start of the next bit. Uh, and then they inserted this page where Alpha Flight turn up. Uh, and yeah, it does look like they've just drawn some pages of Alpha Flight in and then inserted them into the rest of the comic. Can we discuss the cover? We can, yeah, absolutely. All right. So on this beautiful cover, yep. uh, I don't know if this is also by Viamonte or uh, not. It doesn't look like him. I don't know who it's by. There is a it's entirely... Uh, there's a signature there, but I can't identify who it is. Yeah, just a sigil on Moltar's no. arm. But, I mean, it's a very nice cover uh it could be just like some stock art from an ad or something it could be and got then, snowbird on there. <laughs> yes that's what i was curious about like you know at some point they said all right so we're gonna put alpha fight into this issue uh can you draw snowbird shaman and puck on the cover and the guy's like yeah, sure and then he says all right you can use alpha flight and it's like all right north star shaman and puck it is and yeah I mean, it's very possible, though, that um, they had, they told the cover artist to do Snowbird on there, because they were going to put Snowbird in, because I imagine, because her and Shaman were sort of like, they were a pair. Not a couple, but they were a pair. They were a a dramatic pair, they they hung out a lot. Yeah, but obviously because of the problem with, um, uh, if, it was probably they probably realised that if Snowbird leaves Canada, then she loses her power, which we found out in Alpha Flight 12. Yes. Then she couldn't have gone to fight the Magmar people because she would have been powerless. She would have just been a shriveled up husk. Unless Crystallium has a Canada. (laughs) True. You know, that... (laughs) I don't... I am no expert in in, uh, mythical requirements of residency, but... uh... Um. But yeah, so she's on the cover. I mean, it it's a dynamic drawing of her. Uh, also, Chris yeah. Star has his helmet on. So the rest of the comic, he's, he's not got his helmet on. He's just got his um, flowing <clears throat> fantasy yes. and a big cape. 
uh, but on the cover he's dressed like his action figure, which I guess was the reference that the artist had been given. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, but, you know, let's... Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so... But the it's cover it's is, not the worst appearance of Alpha Flight, but it's the least necessary one. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, the, yeah. <laughs> unlike unlike what they do in the comic but it's um, what is it in Big Bang Theory when they watch Indiana Jones and the, the Raiders of the Lost Ark and they yes. point out that it could have been exactly the same that the, the plot would have been exactly the same if Indiana Jones hadn't been there yeah and the fight would have gone the same way whether or not Alpha Flight were there but the last issue of Crystal probably would have sold <laughs> a few less copies if it hadn't a few less, but I mean, at that point, it's pretty much like we're cancelled. Ah, just get them out the door. Yeah. Um, which uh, I don't know. It's not partic- a particular show. So I've read uh, issue one and issue seven. I can't remember what happens in seven, uh, but issue one is p- pretty straightforward and a bit boring. So yeah, uh, it didn't fail on the strength of the character. I imagine it failed on the strength of the comic. Um, but in terms of other things I like we've spoken about the art and they do a really neat trick a few times which I really appreciate which is where across a number of panels it will actually be the same picture but the panels are just there to note the time that we're seeing it so I can the one that I'm looking at here is on page 22 when OGO first introduces Alpha Flight Yeah. Uh, and it's the same you could the panel the action would be the same if you had one single panel at the top there. But they so split they it. split it up to indicate it's going to make sequentially. The, yeah, uh, which I really like. And they do it a couple of other places as well. I probably won't be able to find it quickly now that I've pointed it out. Um, but they do it a lot during the <clears throat> chatty sections at the start of the comic. There's stuff where characters are just sort of stood around talking to each other. Like um, the bit with Beck and uh, Ogeod yes. on page 14? Uh, page 14, let me count. Yes, absolutely, that's a really good one. With those, those tall, um, those tall two panels. really tall, thin panels. Uh, and they've also got this nice sort of flying moon motif in the background. Yeah. Um, that's really cool. And they do it also on page 4 where Chris Starr and Ica are talking and directly next to them are Ogeo and his bossy wife Shen uh, yeah and they're split up uh, so that's good and I like that sort of thing uh, yeah so that's the art uh, um, also so and the other thing I like and it's the sort of thing I like just from uh, sort of looking at process stuff is that it's obviously a lot denser dialogue-wise at the start, and I think that the artist has obviously thought it would be as dense as it carried on. Because if you look at the last pages, there's he's left a lot of space in the compositions for dialogue to go in. Yeah, and there's a lot of like negative space there, which just doesn't get used by dialogue in the way that I think he thought it would. Um, yeah, this especially the the scene where Beck dies. Uh, it's the sort of scene where normally they they throw absolutely tons of expositionally dialogue at it, but um, 
and then, so there's a lot of space in each of the panels for dialogue to go, but it doesn't get used. It works. I mean, it works as a it works as a thing, uh, and is what is quite nice sometimes with this with the Marvel method is sorry. I'm losing the ability to talk with the Marvel method when they take the, their foot off the accelerator a little bit uh, and let the artwork speak for itself. Yeah, uh, you get a lot stronger emotional connection, uh, which is good. Uh, yeah. So. And I very much like the inside back covers and ads of the Marvel Superheroes role playing game, which <laughs> was my first professional sale as a writer. And oh, to wow. drag, I saw. I did two articles about for it in Dragon Magazine, so it's not quite that impressive. Well, and, no, uh, it is impressive. That's good. <laughs> so you reviewed it for Dragon Magazine? No, I, I wrote articles. I did an article about uh, about powered armor, yeah, and another article about uh, superheroes with uh, disabilities, as we used to call them back in the day. Oh, okay. Uh, yes. Who was, and who the was ar- involved there then? Like when you're talking about superheroes uh, disabilities. Well, you know, basically like, uh, well, you know, so Daredevil's blind, but he's got all the super senses, and Hawkeye's deaf, so he can't be, uh, he has resistance. It was it was not my, it was not great. It was the sort of thing a 16-year-old would think they were clever for writing, and an editor would buy thinking, I need a Marvel article at some point. <laughs> but I like, I do like the armored one. It, uh, it was nice. I had tables, and if you go to marvelforever.ca, I think you can still find a copy of it on that. Okay. Tenuously legal website. Uh, is it tenuously legal in that Marvel just can't be bothered to chase it up? One hundred percent. I mean, I'm sure if Disney were to roll over one day, it would vanish from the universe. But <laughs> as it is, it's there, and they've got so much of the stuff. That's which, good. Uh, if you're if you have any interest in seeing what the Marvel universe looked like in the early '80s, it's a great resource. <laughs> Because they have like they have like the Avengers uh, source book and the Fantastic Four and the X Men. Okay, so is it all the role playing stuff? Yeah, it's all from role playing games. Okay, um, I, well, I'm not going to second guess who my listeners are, but I definitely have friends who'd be interested in that. So, uh, and, and yes, Marvel Superheroes, they did have an Alpha Flight module too, which uh, was very enjoyable. All right, because I'm I'm not very into role playing games and stuff. Um, but I do know at least one person, well, one, two of our previous guests actually. So uh, Lolly and Sunny tonight are playing a Marvel role-playing game. Oh, uh, So yeah, so they'll be at least uh, they'll listen when I talk about the fact that we've mentioned this. <laughs> um, so what else can we talk about? There's not really a lot else. To mention about the comic, um, it's an interesting curiosity. Oh, it certainly is, uh, and I'm glad that I've got it. Uh, I'm never letting it go because uh, I just I enjoy it so much for what it is. Uh, so it gives you a spark of joy, is what you're saying. <laughs> Very topical, but yes, thank it does. you. Um, unfortunately, every single piece of dirty paper that I've got upstairs gives me a spark of joy whether I've read it or not and that's the problem which is why you have them yeah. so. uh, it's why I've got a run of 15 Silver Surfer comics from the 90s which I'm never going to read but can't <laughs> um, yeah um, yeah so 
uh, questions left unanswered in this comic is how do Shaman, uh, Northstar, and Puck get back to Earth? Yes. What happens to the naked guy? What happens to the naked guy? <laughs> um, does Shaman actually care that he killed some humans? Uh, probably not. Uh, he, uh, he'll be good. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, after he couldn't save his <clears throat> wife, he went and lived in the in the wilderness for twenty years. But yeah. Three random modern people. That's fine. <laughs> well, he never had sex with any of them. <laughs> well, we hope. <laughs> well, one time, we don't know what happens between panels, but I will go with that assumption. <laughs> They're called gutters for a reason. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I think that is the comic. Um, it is. For anybody listening, if you do find this in a bargain bin, which is probably where you would find it, do pick it up and take it home because it's worth it. Um, it's even as just a, as a novelty. Um, yeah. Uh, okay, so that's that. So we're at the end. Yes. Um, what do I normally do at the end of these episodes? I say thank you. Uh, if people would like to find you on the internet anywhere, where would they do that? Uh, I am on Twitter as the bitter guy, and uh, I am also, as I as I mentioned earlier, I'm the moderator of the Alpha Flight community on Facebook. It's uh, it's not incredibly busy, but you know, we have a, a jolly bunch of folks who uh, like occasionally commenting how much they love Alpha Flight, yeah, and occasionally talking about how they didn't know that North Star was not really gay, and I'm like, oh dude, no, you oh, did not, you yeah. did not. You know, some people people read things differently, and some people are completely incapable of, <laughs> interpret, of interpreting subtext, blatant subtext. In fact, they're completely incapable of interpreting text. But, <laughs> but if you're a member of of the group and you're listening now, we don't mean you. <laughs> no, we don't mean you specifically. Of course not. Um, so uh, the address is facebook.com forward slash alpha flight fan page. Yes. Um, yeah, I um, wanted to make sure that Marvel did not think I was trying to poach on their domain. No, uh, it's probably just as well because if they ever do do a film, you just get shoved out. So yeah, uh, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, I'm just scrolling down now. Um, yeah, I won't sit uh, listening to somebody read is is not great audio. So okay, brilliant. <laughs> um, as people hopefully know. My name is Gareth A. Hopkins. I am on Twitter as at Gerfink. Uh, I have comics to sell at gerfink.bigcartel.com. I've actually listed the four things that I want to plug. So I've, I've got a busy year coming up, actually. I've got lots That's of fun. things going. Um, so first of all, I will say uh, Jazz Creepers, which uh, was edited and put together by previous guest Douglas Noble came out last year sometime I'm sure I've mentioned it before but I had a short story in that and it won the Broken Frontier Best New Series excellent fantastic uh, really happy with that um, so uh, you can go and buy a copy of that at stripfilme.com uh, or search Google for Douglas Noble uh, um also, it's got the Kickstarter for the latest sliced trade has gone live as we speak tonight. So, 
Um, it should hopefully be running when this episode gets released. I've got a few little bits in there. So I do the art on a strip with John Osborne writing on a one-page thing. And also I have done my first stint as a writer for someone else's art. In, oh. Um, so, and I did it Marvel style. So I, hadn't, I was just given four pages of artwork and I've written to them. Uh, it is very weird. Um, I was fully in my element. And the title of my piece in that, which will only be in the trade, it's not going to be online. The rest of Slice Quarterly is free. Um, but uh, the title is uh, Oculus Spittle Chorus. Um, Sorry, Oculus? Ocular Spittle Ocul- Chorus. Okay. Uh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I really enjoyed myself with that. Um, now, sorry, I, I, I just want to make sure. So you were given the finished art? And yeah, you did story and script for that. Yeah, so Slice Quarterly is um, an experimental comics anthology. So it's, it's okay. mostly, uh, I'd say it's mostly uh, comic creators, small press creators from Britain, who mm-hmm. are. Uh, and they, it's just somewhere for them to play about with style, and it's uh, sort of doing this sort of Marvel style stuff is uh, something we did in the past. So I did. Actually, it was actually secretly pages that I'd redrawn as abstracts from a copy of Alpha Flight. I think it's Alpha Flight 23 where Sasquatch fights Sasquatch. Yes. Um, And I'd I'd done those as a four-page series of abstract comics and then sent them in to to Ken Reynolds, also a previous guest who was the editor. And then he farmed those out to people just to see what scripts would come back. Uh, and then they were put in. So it's, we've done it the other way around this time. So someone has done some experimental sort of non uh, non narrative comics pages. So it's essentially four images, four full page images, and then I have applied a kind of a story to that. Cool. Uh, yeah. So it was just a lot of fun. Um, so that's Slice Quarterly. So if you go to Kickstarter and search for Sliced Quarterly, you should be able to find that. Um, it comes or, up very easily. I've, I've just pulled it up right here. Good. There you go. Um, and the cover for this one, I, I did the cover for the second trade. The cover for the third one has been done by a friend of the podcast, Yestin Pettigrew. So mm-hmm. it's a lovely cover. Uh, he did a good job. Uh, 23 days to go, folks. So Yeah. From today. So... Definitely check it out once you uh, once you catch this episode. Yeah. Um, and uh, what else? About, oh, so um, the Intercoastal Extension came out in December, uh, which is my abstract ghost story, uh, which uses... Uh, it, it, I mean, it's weird. I, the way that I create is I think that things make sense and then I give them a month to settle and realise that they don't make a lot of sense. Uh, so it's a 25, it's a 52, 56 page comic, which is about ghosts, but it's also okay. about being asleep and it's also about working in product management and it's also about the Enfield poltergeist. Um, and yeah, but I like it. Uh, but that's available at gothing.pickartel.com. And finally, the last thing I've got to plug is Petricor, uh, which is my abstract autobiographical comic, which is coming out next month, next month being February. Uh, it's coming out on Good Comics. Um, 
and I will also be talking about it at the Ladies Do Comics meetup on the 11th of February in London. So uh, anybody wants to come and uh, watch me mumble about my comics, there you go. So that's it. Um, I've made it through my plugs and we've made it through the final fate of Chris Star, the Crystal Warrior. Mm-hmm. Which he only... turned out okay, folks. Yeah, he was all right. Thank goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whereas the the two awful baddies got stabbed through the heart, and one of the yes. goodies got smashed. Broke up pretty dang bad. But he was a bit of an ass, so he deserved it. Mm, yeah, I mean, honestly, they're going to be better off without him. <laughs> yeah. Well, unfortunately, we're going to be without them anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because no one's ever going to talk about him. Um, well, just to mention. Yeah. Uh, apparently. Uh, apparently, the uh, Crystallaniums show up during the Secret Wars uh, Weird World uh, series. Oh, okay. Uh, That's good. So, yes, I, I might try and uh, check that out. They cross over with uh, Archon, who's another interdimensional fantasy hero that Marvel okay. has. Yes. Yeah, well, good. Uh, and, I mean, they're crying out for a reboot now, Crystal. Yes. Um, 21st century Crystal Hero. The Crystal Hero we need. Oh, jeez. Just telling everyone they're not woke enough. <laughs> well, that um, would... Uh, yeah. Yeah, right. Anyway, <clears throat> uh, thank you so much for coming on, uh, Justin. Thank you very much for having me, Gary. It's very a pleased pleasure. to join you. Um, and hopefully listeners will enjoy us talking about it and they will join us on the next episode of Alpha Podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you Where yes. are you based? I'm in I'm just outside Toronto. Uh, so you're actual Canadian? Yes, I am. <gasps> You're the first Canadian. I am on the oh, podcast. Well, I am delighted to have to have uh, been the first.